Hi, this is Mark, and welcome to another episode of Wandering Retirement. And this is Ira. And today we are joined by two fine retired women. We wanted to bring in some extra voices this season, and we have chosen to bring in two retired women to give a female perspective. They are Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> and Ellie. Hi there. Very good. So here we are. We're ready to start. So let's just start with a little bit of background. Maybe uh, we'll start with Ellie. Ellie, you've been retired for 20 years now? That's correct. And you were a teacher? That's right. When did you start thinking about retirement? Like the day you retired, a week before, or a year before? About a year before. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what was your thought process at the time? Well, I was working in a position where I was on my feet all the time, and I was uh, approaching 63 years old, and I thought, oh, I can't continue to do this. <laughs> and also, there was going to be a major change in the school I was teaching in, and it was just good timing. All right, so the timing came along. What did you do as a teacher? Well, I was a vocational education teacher at the high school level, and I taught uh, culinary arts. At the high school level, usually you find uh, culinary arts in the post-secondary or the community college, but I had an operating restaurant within a high school. Wow. That is so cool. I really, that's just amazing to me. And Sarah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when did you retire? How did you think about it? What did you do? Just give us a little background. Well, I was a nurse, and at the time of retirement, I was working as a case manager for work comp insurance, so I was in a sitting job talking to people on the phone and working with my computer. So the physical aspects of my job, other than sitting too much, what really an impact on my retirement decision was a more financial thing. I was fortunate to have a couple pensions and retired at a point when my finances were good, my health was good, I was ready to retire. I thought I'd stayed a couple years longer than maybe I intended to stay and retired at 68. But when I made that decision, it was the right one. And as Ellie was saying, there were changes coming in what I was doing that I didn't really look forward to. So I retired the week the changes started, and I'm very happy I did. And how long ago was that? It will be three years in October. Okay. So once again, we have a newbie. Yep. Sarah <laughs> and, and Ellie, <laughs> who has been at this a long time. So, okay. What about retirement were you looking forward to? What did you anticipate? What did you worry about? Anything in particular? Sarah, you go first this time. I anticipated retirement being good. I actually didn't really have worries about it. I just anticipated that I'd be able to do what I wanted to do and didn't really have a whole lot of set ideas. I'd like to travel. I still haven't done that yet because I moved, but I was looking forward to it. The day I retired, I thought I might be sad, but I actually wasn't, and at this point, I can say it's the best move of my career. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting saying about your career. But you had a career you liked. I mean, let's not I, make it. Not... No, absolutely not. Yeah. I loved my career, but I gradually got away from the hands-on as my career developed. And when I left, it was the right time. I think it's also critical that we point out that both of these people are were 
are and were single when they retired. So they were independent women, both very strong, very able and capable. So it was a factor in their decision as well in that they were retiring alone. Ellie, any anxiousness, any anticipation? How did you, how did it happen? Well, I had no qualms about retiring. Uh, I had looked at the numbers and uh, I had sufficient cash flow with pension and social security and uh, I was looking forward to traveling and then uh, my father needed a caregiver for a while. So my travel plans were put off and my father passed away at age 105. So it was really a privilege to have that. But it did alter my plans to immediately start traveling. Uh, So actually it became more involved in moving at that time because I had no more family in the area where I was living. So I decided if I ever become an old lady, I would need to live to near one of my children. Ellie, I love how you say that. You have said that from the beginning and you've <laughs> said it through our pre-conversation. If I ever become an old lady, do you mind sharing how old you are? Well, I'll be 84 next month. Okay. What, what, what entails an old lady? I 86. don't know. <laughs> One of my best friends is going on 89, and she drives us to do everything. So, uh, Well, let's hope you never discover it. Right. Okay. So, Ellie, you moved from, uh, for those not in Michigan, you moved from the east side of the Michigan yes. to the west side of Michigan, which is a, a pretty big deal, I think, in retirement. Why did you do that? Well, because my... My son and daughter-in-law lived here, and also I love West Michigan. Uh, the geography, topography, or whatever you want to call it, is very different than the East Side. So everything that was, about it is different from yes, the East yes. Side. Yes, culturally, it's yes. very different too. Because I lived, uh, I grew up in the city of Detroit, and then I lived in the suburbs of Detroit, and uh, along the lakeshore, it's it's a very different nature-based kind of uh, environment. So when when you moved, did you find it difficult to incorporate yourself into a new community, if you will? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, I intentionally looked for things that were important to me and almost immediately built networks, which then evolved into communities. All right. So I, uh, but it was because of my intention. I, I looked for a church-based community. I arts-based community, and a civic involvement community. And I got involved in all of those probably within the first six months of moving here. Now, but you had that on the other side of the state, too. Well, I was working, so I didn't have the time for those uh, organizations as much. Okay. So what did you leave when you left the Detroit area? Nothing. That's interesting. Okay. So, we're because I want to talk about that intentionality, but Sarah, you moved also in retirement like a year after you retired. What is wrong with you folks? You're supposed <laughs> to plant yourself and stay. You got your community, use it. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> yes, I did move, and I remember you asking me, Mark, why did you decide to do that after you retired? My first thought when I retired was I wanted to move somewhere more temperate than Michigan. I've been in Michigan my whole life. And then I thought, well, if you move someplace like that, you won't know anybody because it's not going to be around here. And so that was kind of put on hold. And 
having worked with Mark's wife, Kathy, for the, my last, or known her for my 24 years, every time I came to visit in Grand Haven, she would say, you should move over here. Well, I was working initially, and then I wasn't working, but I wasn't really looking to move, but I like Grand Haven. Um, we had a cottage north of Northport for 50 years, so I've always been around Lake Michigan and... I couldn't live not being around one of the Great Lakes. So a couple of years ago, Kathy said to me, you should move over here again when I was here in July. And I happened to be looking for a place to live, to buy in Lansing. And I went, well, I could look here. And Kathy, being who she is, immediately connected me with a realtor. And <laughs> she and Mark started looking up condos. <laughs> and within the next three months, I had bought a condo and moved to Grand Haven. And I did it partly because they were here, partly the setting, but also because Ellie talked about community and networking. And I had friends still in the Lansing area, but there was no real community. And I knew when I moved over here, Kathy and Mark had already done the hard work for me. And gotten into a community, I had met many of these people and I came over here and was able to easily, I felt, get into the community and it's been a great move. So I want to stop here, not stop, but I want to stop on community for a second because it's. I heard Ellie talking about her intentionality to find the right people to hang out with, I'll use the term. You, you, you know, Kathy and I sort of at least got you started a little bit on community. How important has community been in retirement for you? Well, since I am a single person, it is it is my family, okay. my multiple families. It's very important. Okay. And to me, it's very important. I have been single. I was single until I was 37, and I got married and started my family at 37. So I spent a lot of time by myself. I like being by myself. Not a problem. But coming over here, community is really, really important because I didn't know too many people, but having the ability to participate in a community, if I choose to, is important to me. If I choose not to, this is the kind of community where that's okay too. It's very, very important. One of the group that I, my tribe, we call ourselves a tribe, um, was saying several weeks ago how Women between the ages of 65 and 70 are the happiest because of that, the friends that they have. And all of us being within that age at the time are saying, yeah, we are. Okay. On that statement, is that because of social connections? Because you probably had some friends in Central State in, in the Lansing area. So what makes this special or not special or different or... I understand the need for community, but, you know, we all kind of have a need for community. So why is that special to you? What's if I w When I was in Lansing, I had friends. Several of them still worked. Some of them didn't. But it wasn't the same. There was, And we would get together and we would have a good time. Moving over here, the community is established. I'm, I walk with a group of women who some of them have been walking for 20 years, three times a week. And it's it's there. So we would have had to have made a community in Lansing. One of my friends who's retired, she and I talked and 
I've told her about moving over here and tried to encourage her to, and said there is a community here, and she and I both agree there is that lacking. At least we didn't find it in Lansing. I don't know if it's because this is a smaller town, but also we're a group of people who are different thinking than a lot of people in this town. So you're, what what maybe part of this whole community is, this tribe, from, from your perspective, is like-minded folks Mm -hmm. it's not it's um it's 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 nice to be around folks that you can have conversations with that maybe you're not exactly on the same page but you're in a spectrum on the same page if you will how about you ali have i i know community has been important for you doesn't let me change this question and i didn't ask this before but i'm going to ask it now as you age i think about illness Okay, I think about getting sick and wanting people, you know, I have a spouse, so I'm right now the caregiver at our house because my spouse is sick. You know, not a big deal. But as it reminds me that as you age, it's nice to have that person around you. Do you think that's where the community will be important for you as you get older, or where do you see that? Absolutely. Right now, most of my, well, I have several community, or several <laughs> networks of women, probably a dozen in each one, but the one that I call my tribe uh, we range, there are somebody not yet 70, and we range up to about 88. And occasionally there are some illnesses. We have a friend who has had cancer, and her family is elsewhere. So when she was going through chemo, we stayed all night with her sometimes. Uh, we check on each other. So we we function in many ways like a family. Okay. I like that. That's why. That's what I wondered if, mm-hmm. because uh, I think you know. I that's part of why we wanted you guys here, or, or other voices besides Ira and I. Ira and I right now, time will tell, are in situations where we're either take could be taking care of somebody, or somebody could be taking care of us that we live with, as opposed to living by ourselves and having to re- rely on people, rely on somebody else that's not our spouse. So yeah, I wondered about that. What do you perceive? Differences as a retired woman versus a retired man, Ellie. Well, I mean, from your perspective, there may be. I may have a stereotypical idea about men, but I think (laughs) women uh, tend to connect on a deep level almost immediately. It's just a given among women. We will share the deep things within our hearts and our lives and challenges we have. And my perception of men is that it, it starts with the score of the latest game or <laughs> or maybe political or or something like that uh, i'm going to label it superficial but mm-hmm. i'm i'm sure that you will put me down for that <laughs> <laughs> we might <laughs> and then again we might not because i think that's a, a true perception there's a lot of truth to it definitely so in retirement, the relationship and the social activity was very important to you. Um, I don't even call it social activity, just a connection with people. Yes, yes. Did you have that while you were working? Yes. In a different way, though. In a different way. Your work uh, friends, your friendship evolves around the tasks related to the sure. workplace. Sure. And occasionally it goes beyond that. Uh, but we don't have that in our um, in our little networks. I've had networks of women friends all my life, starting with high school. It's been a continuum, 
they're not necessarily different groups. It's a continuum of women friends over a period of 60, 70 years. Wow. So, Sarah, you said something when we were in the pre-talk, when we were talking a little bit about use your hands, but you said women's talk directly to each other where men stand at the side or something. Say that again. Do you remember? Ellie said that. Yeah. Oh, did you? <laughs> no, you were saying it. Oh, Ellie said that. Said, I said okay. that I thought men related more to their jobs than women per se, that a man's worth was in his job. Okay. When he retired, that that it was harder for a man. That's from my perspective. Sure. I don't know if that's true. My job as a nurse was very important to me. I am a nurse. I still am, even though I have no license. I am still a nurse. That is part of my identity. But I can give that up and be retired and just, and that's okay. And I feel like men maybe can't do that as easily. And having listened to your podcasts... I feel like that may be sort of some of There's what's gone on with the two of you. And I just listened to them in the last week or so. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. But that's just sort of the feeling that I had. Obviously, to every opinion and stereotype, there are exceptions. Sure. Um, but I think as a general rule, men's egos are tied up in their work. But I honestly think that you both could say the same thing that a fair amount of who you were was your job. It's just it wasn't quite as deep-seated as it is in a man. I don't know about that. No, I don't know if that's true either. <laughs> what, so what was wrong with what I said? It, is the, that deep, be- the deep-seated part, and I use this as an example. When I moved from Kalamazoo to East Lansing, uh, my kids were three and one and a half, and I was able to stay home with them for a couple months. And I had worked full time until I had children, thirty-seven. So that was who you were. Fourteen. That was that was me. And I worked. So I worked. I stayed at home for a couple months, and then I said, "I need to go to work, not full time, but I need to have that work relationship. I need to have to speak to adults <laughs> about work things. Mm-hmm. I love my children dearly, and." they will know that I am a better mother because I can go out and keep that part of me going. So my ego, that was my ego saying, I need this for me to be a better person, to be a better mother. So in that sense, I don't think that so what then, you said then, about... So then what is the difference? Why Why do you say that about men? Because, I'm just curious. I'm just, I'm, I that's guess not because a, looking at... I feel the people that I've had contact with women seem to be able to adjust to retirement more easily. Men seem to have a little harder time. And maybe it's the fact that women, we have our networks and we share things with them. So we have maybe more social, emotional support than a man. So I'll go to Ellie because I, I you're right. It was Ellie that said that. Can you describe again what you were talking about women... Well, women, I'm I'm crossing my fingers, kind of interlacing them. That's what happens when women get together. They share on a vulnerable level. I'm thinking back in the time when um, my children were babies and then they were in school and high school. And my friends also had the same thing. And some of us had uh, children who got into difficulties, maybe drugs. But in a woman's group, we were very, very willing to help each other, 
if the person wanted the help. So the vulnerability of sharing among women is very much a reality. And I don't know if men are able to, they come alongside each other in a parallel plane, which I'm holding in front of me, not really getting into the deep, vulnerable spots in their uh, psyche. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, because that's th- this is one of the things I was hoping we could talk about, because we're going to also have single men in retirement. And just in a g- very general conversation, one of the gentlemen we're going to have join us uh, talked a little about bit about that from a men, men's perspective. He said it doesn't feel like men become as close, you know, that, that there's a there's a different aspect to a man's retirement. And what I'm hearing you guys say is that for both of you, in general, there's a generalization, but in general, it's important to have that female connection because it's just important. And it, I, I just use the word female. Says, do you have those same kind of connections with men? I'm seeing shaking heads. No. No. no, <laughs> no. Through the years, I have had a few soulmate men's, and I don't mean love relationships, deep relationships. And and I'm thinking of one particular person who doesn't live near me, but whenever we get together, we talk on that level. So it... But as a general rule, it's not there. No, no. Okay. But it's possible. Yeah. And I have, too, mm-hmm. in my younger days, mm-hmm. had a couple best friends that were males, and we... Shared all sorts of things, yes. but but you don't suggest you would see that you you're not. What I'm hearing, I think, and this is something we never talked about, and it's just curiosity to me. It would be unusual for either of you to have a male group you hung out with. You like the gender specific. I like hanging out with my female friends as opposed to my. You don't see yourself hanging out with a group of men on that same level. Being able to no, I shared with you earlier my generic personality or skill more than my job is my identity. And I've always been an organizer from the time I was a little kid and had the Porky Pig Art Club in my basement. (laughs) Uh, So I can relate to men. For instance, if if I'm on a board uh, of some organization, I find that the male relationships there perhaps are more uh, effective and functional than the female because of Maybe that side of my personality. Mm -hmm. Are there certain things about retirement that you have over the years, I'm going to start with Ellie because there's more time, that you have really enjoyed versus your work life? Well, I would say they were equal in enjoyment, but they're just different. I, um, the freedom of doing things when you want to, although I have built up a pretty tight schedule some days. I look at my calendar and I think I am working. (laughs) But the freedom to do things outside of going to work every day. But even that schedule that as tight as it is, you're doing it because you want to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. Do you have to request vacation time? Of myself. (laughs) Yes. But that's an important question. Thank you. I I was being sarcastic, but that's an interesting question either for, for both of you. But I'm looking at Ellie right now. You do. I know how busy you are. Do you ever feel, you know, back sort of to the work life, gee, if I go on vacation for two weeks, something will fall apart. Do you ever have that kind of guilt or do you pretty comfortable like, I can go, it'll be all right? Uh, when I do go, I most of the things that I'm responsible for, I can do on my computer. 
my communications and publications. And so I always make sure that that's in place, carrying my little iPad with me. And I continue many of my commitments while I'm on vacation. And Sarah, the same question. Uh, Enjoyments of retirement, um, why you like it, what you don't like, anything in particular? I like all of it. I am not like Ellie. I Yes, I have certain things that I do every week with my tribe and with other people. But I said when I retire, I don't want to be doing something. I don't want my schedule to be so busy that I'm not enjoying it. So I have... I like to volunteer, and I haven't gotten myself set up doing that yet in Grand Haven, which I probably need to do. But I enjoy just not knowing that I don't have to do anything, that I can take my book and go out for dinner and sit by myself and read and eat, and I can go walking when I want. I can sit and look out at the woods. That's one of my favorite things because my condo faces woods, and I just, to me, that's just enjoying it and not and knowing that my schedule is mine pretty much so yeah so any surprises about retirement is there anything that has happened that you thought well, I didn't expect that or that didn't happen that you expected to I guess moving over to Grand Haven was wasn't something that I that I necessarily thought about but as I told everybody it happened in like a 3 month period which is relatively short if you think about it but it felt right from the beginning. And so, no, my there hasn't been anything that's been bad. And as I said, I moved over here, so I'm still the same distance from my mother. She's 100, so, you know, yeah. her time her time is limited, but she's a very active, healthy 100-year-old woman. So, <laughs> no, I think retirement is all I hoped for and maybe more. Ellie? Well, I... After retirement, maybe a couple years, I discovered, rediscovered one of my gifts that I had really not developed in, in the art. I started taking watercolor classes with a, a dear friend, that many Debbie Lass, who taught many people in this area. And so I developed a skill which kind of surprised me. Uh, and I did several series, Children of the World and Women of the World, and Uh, I was really proud of that. And then I took up uh, uh, graphite and drawing, and I've done some very nice things in that. But you know what? I haven't done anything in a year and a half. So maybe some of these other obligations I need to get rid of so I can get back (laughs) to my artwork. Uh, So I, I found time to develop something that was always there. Isn't that fun? Mm-hmm. Isn't yes, that was. isn't was that wonderful. fun to um and and I think that's to me the one of the opportunities of retirement is I don't want to say finding yourself but you I think you said better finding something that's kind of always been there but you maybe never had a chance to practice or or bring out and so that's and and I think I liked what Sarah was saying too was that just choosing the beauty of retirement to me is choosing I can be as busy as I want to be I can be as calm as I want to be. I can, and anything, and and Sarah, you said something earlier in the pre-thing that I really liked was, I don't, I want to be busy. I want to hang out with these people. But, you know, if the day comes and I had a plan, I don't have to feel guilty about saying, you know what, I'm not going to join you guys today because I'm just going to hang by myself or whatever it is. 
I think those are some of the things, at least, that I heard you guys say that's great about retirement. In your acquaintances, I mean, you you guys are both career, you were very career-oriented, you, you worked. If Do you have any friends in your social circles, in your networks, that didn't actually retire? That they were like stay-at-home moms and the kids grew up and they moved out and they found themselves in situations where it was different? That nope. just doesn't... Nope. Is that because they're not there or because you don't network with them? I think we're on a different page in many places, in many ways, yes. Uh, all of the women that I am friends with had a career of some nature most of their lives while also raising families. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. There is one woman that I walk with who is not really in my community per se, and she was more a stay-at-home mom. Everybody else? I'm just wondering from that female perspective how that would be a totally different situation again. I mean, you guys retired. You were actively involved in your careers and you retired. You know, and it, it's it's a very, and I don't think it is like it used to be because most people work, but that is mostly a uniquely female thing that they were at home, they were taking care of the kids, and then the kids grew up. But they sort of retired too. And sure. we have to remember that they're working harder. I mean, and, as as hard that is that is a job, and I don't mean to, to no. say that that isn't. I'm just curious if if that perspective is different from a female perspective that is you quite uniquely female. I think it would be more challenging <laughs> to have your partner retire and you continue on supposedly retiring but doing the things you've always done. That would mm-hmm. be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. and I can't. I can't relate to that in any way because I worked pretty much full-time my whole career. Okay. I was just curious if you had a take on it because I think that that is a uniquely female aging retirement issue. So, anyway. So, so one of the things we kind of missed at the start here was a little bit more of your history. And I think, Ellie, you've got a pretty interesting history because you're, you've been independent your whole life, right? Well... I grew up as a very independent child because I was so much younger than my brother and sister, uh, 10 and 13 years older than me. So it was in some ways being like an only child. I grew up in a large city, Detroit. And uh, at that time, children were allowed to move around uh, independently at, at, by a certain age. So by the time I was 10 years old, I was taking buses around the city of Detroit to go to the library or maybe a nearby shopping center. So then when I, so I grew up as a very independent child, uh, making my own decisions within the parameters of what I just knew was acceptable in our family and culture. One of the things I always consider a major turning point in my life is When I went to high school, I decided to leave my core neighborhood in Detroit, which was very much a blue-collar neighborhood, and go to a citywide school, Cass Tech, which gave me a much broader cultural diversity, and I got a great academic education there, and it just totally changed life for me. And I was going all over the city of Detroit 
with my friends when we got together. So I was moving around as a young adolescent, always observing what was appropriate in our family, and I was free to make my own decisions. And that has been, I would say that was the major thing that everything in my life can be traced back to. So you're, you, the part for me, independence is confidence. So you were able at a young age to start developing some confidence in your decision making. Yes, and part of it was my my age in the family, and also it was parents were not helicopter parents then. Okay. Uh, we knew what we had to do, but we were free to do our own thing. Just curious, did your mother work? No. No. <laughs> no, back in when yeah. I was growing up, mothers did Yeah, work. right. So I just wondered if that... Mothers worked in the home. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So... This independence that you learned or developed, this confidence, how did that relate to retirement, though? Well, it was part of who I am all my life in everything, okay. even in my marriage with with family and children. I mean, we worked together as a team. It wasn't any dominance or anything. It was just confidence and independence where independence was called for and, and also collaboration where that was appropriate. So, Sarah, how about your history? What you you seem like an independent person. Does that been since a child, or no, no, not at all. Um, I was a child who was born in Detroit, but we moved several times until 1962 when I was going into eighth grade, and then we moved to Kalamazoo and lived there for 30 years. So, and I was not an independent child. We were independent in the way that kids of that age could go. You go outside until the streetlights came on. You did went wherever and, you know, again, no helicopter parents. But we knew what was expected of us. I was a middle child and had a hard time when my brother, five years younger than I, was born. And he took over my, you know, young youngster things. So I was not a strong, independent person. And when I made the decision to become a nurse, my mother was aghast because she said, you can't even stand to put your hand in the sink when there's, you know, some food particles in there. How can you be a nurse? And I proved that I could. And when I graduated from nursing school, I ended up living by myself for a while. And they were surprised at that, that I could do that because I was sort of a shy person that didn't want to do that. I went on a trip around the world with a group of people. We went to China and Russia. I knew sort of one person on the trip. Otherwise, I knew nobody. That was eye-opening to me, and I think that was when I started to become more independent and self-assured. And then it just took off, and now I feel like that. So your confidence, I'm going to use the word confidence related to independence and self-assured. Your confidence came as a result, maybe I'll use that term, as your your entrance into the nursing career and sort of that first move out on your own. And, and so it sort of came, I don't want to use the word gradually, but it came, it but it came was, along. It was gradual. Certain experiences that I was having allowed me to grow my confidence and I know people now look at me and go, you were shy and didn't want to do things because I'm not that way anymore. But I was. Okay. And So one of the questions, this is for both of you, and I, I guess I'll, I'll start with you, Sarah, is one of the, the things we talked about for a couple minutes here is this whole decision-making process. Ira and I, when we make decisions, we often work with our spouse on the decisions. 
you guys have to make decisions all the time. Do you bounce them off of somebody? Do you just make them and go on? Do you struggle with them? How does that work? Um, some decisions I can make easily that don't matter much, you know, day-to-day decisions, big decisions. My mother's still a good person for me to bounce things off of. Um, Her mother, by the way, just turned 100. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she did. My daughter, my younger daughter, and I are very close, and I bounce things off of her. My nephew is my financial advisor, and I would trust him with my life, so my finances. But making decisions by myself for big things, it's okay. Sometimes I wish I had somebody, a partner, but then other times, I guess because my relationship was not what I wanted it to be, what I expected it to be, that I'm okay making decisions by myself. I've lived by myself more than I've lived with someone else. So Okay. How about you, Ellie? Well, depending on what the decision is, some major decisions, I will bounce off my adult children. And generally, they are supportive of whatever I want to do. For instance, I was going to sell my condo and move into a senior community. And then I went to a social gathering there, and I realized that I didn't belong there. So then my kids came in and said, said, of course, Mom, you didn't belong there. And they said, you just had a romantic notion of what life would be there. And then my son looked at it, and he says, your financial advisor wouldn't approve. But generally, my children support whatever I want to do. Other things, um, I bounce off my my tribe, my net network of girls, we travel a lot together. So we make uh, travel destination decisions together. In fact, one of the great things that I have had in my retirement, and I traveled a lot in this country before I retired, a little bit internationally, but I have been to almost 40 different countries since I have retired. Nice. And it's all with my friends. So do you guys say, do you say, we need to do something next year? Where do you guys want to go? Or how do you make that decision? Yes. Yes. For instance, we have a particular uh, small ship cruise company uh, that we like because we're, um, as you get older, small ship cruises are easy. You don't have to pick up and pack every day. And so we've gone, I don't know if you, Grand Circle Cruise Line is the one we take. And there are between 50 and 80 people on the ship. And so it's nice. So we're always looking ahead. Well, we haven't been to this region or that region. Last year, we went to the uh, Italian coast, Riviera, they called it. But I don't like that word because it sounds so pretentious. But we went along the coast of Italy and France. And then another friend from the same group, we went to Portugal and Spain. But we're looking as a group of friends who travel together. And do you, like, do some of the groups go on some of the trips, but not all the trips? Or, I mean, is it sort of like, yeah, you guys go ahead. I don't need to go to this place. Well, we don't all go. Okay. And, uh, we have, sometimes it's just two of us. Other times it's four or five. Okay. Uh, and not everybody in the tribe does this. Yeah. But we have these travel friends that we can say, hey, how about next spring or next fall going here? Oh, yeah, that sounds good. We also went on a safari to Africa together and uh, walked with lions. You don't mess with us because we walk with lions. Yeah, I'm not going with you guys. I can tell you that right now. So I'm feeling like, is there anything anybody wants to talk about? I feel like we're getting pretty good here, but I'm very open to... I'm set. I like my life. 
Oh, all right. That's I a agree. great way to end. I agree. I, I, love I that really do. Yep. Yes. And I have no um, hard feelings about anything in the past. I get together with my ex-husband and his wife. We get together during holidays or any family events. That is a very comfortable situation. And uh, so life is good. I like how you put it, though. I like my life. That's a great way to put it, Ellie. Really, really nice way to end this. Yeah. We want to thank you both, Sarah, Ellie. This was a really special time getting to know you and hearing your perspectives. So thank you, thank you, thank you very much. So, Mark, we need to have one statement before we sign off. And I think that statement is, remember, all who wander are not lost.